Hey everybody, February 16th, halfway through the month of February, a little bit past halfway through the month of February. Uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, labor, retirements, and then foreign land ownership. Uh, some things that are in the news. Uh, I'm going to talk about the labor here first. One of the things going on in agriculture, and I think it's, it's for lack of a better word, it's an interesting thing going on. Um, there's not near as many farm kids as what there used to be. And I know uh, talking to a friend of mine, retired teacher, and she talked about uh, in her small school district where she taught and ran a very, very wonderful agriculture program for years, uh, heavily involved in FFA. And she, she taught the kids things you needed to know, life skills, you know. Uh, she was just good. Um, but she said, this is the first time we don't have a kid from the country in school. Now, she's retired, um, got one of her uh, former students to take over teaching, uh, still got an ag program, still have a very strong FFA, but they don't not, they not only don't have, quote-unquote, a kid off the farm, they don't have a kid from the country. Now, there's two small towns involved in this school district, so that that kind of plays into it, but just just interesting how... You don't have those. When I was growing up, you know, the school bus bus would stop and pick four up at one to, uh, stop and six at the next stop and four at the next stop, two at the next stop. Uh, that My gosh, there was five or six at the next stop. Uh, then there was two, then one, then two. Uh, but, but you start, you start... You start getting, you know, th- that number of people. And yes, a lot of the kids left the farm and went and got jobs in town, went to other places, did other things. But the fact is, you had a lot of available labor. Um, and let's face it, kids started cutting weeds out of the beans when they were somewhere in the double digits. Whether that was 10, 11, 12, a lot of them started out at home. And then as they got older, you know, they, they went off and, you know, cut weeds out of the beans. They bailed hay. They detasseled corn. They did whatever. But there's just not as many farm kids. Now, so, so, some, of the, some, of the, some of the things that I see, uh, and I'm starting to see this in livestock, that contracting out labor um, in, in hog buildings. And, and what's going on, uh, you know, I have a hog building. Um, I'm wanting to get the manure. I'm wanting to raise hogs. But it's just me. So when it comes time to load the pigs or if the pigs get sick and need shots or, you know, whatever, they bring a crew in, quote unquote, from the outside. You know, they show up in a van, they get out, they do whatever they need to do. They either unload the hogs, load the hogs, um, move them around. I mean, whatever needs to happen. And then they leave. But that becomes a biosecurity problem. Because they're going from place to place to place. And yes, I know they're, they're taking all the biosecurity precautions that they can. But that's just the state of today's livestock industry. You, you don't have the advantage of having a whole bunch of people at each one of these sites. It's, it's just, the, the, and not just the, the, the availability. Um, it's, it's being able to afford all that labor. Now, one, one thing that I'm seeing, talking to a number of farmers, uh, talking to a guy who runs a fertilizer plant, um, going to bring in South Africans. 
Now, uh, we have had silage put up from us, and the truck drivers were South Africans, and they were great. They were hard workers. They were wonderful. They, you know, came came in. They, they just worked. They worked hard. They were sending the money home. Uh, the one thing I find interesting is you have to provide transportation for them when they're here so they can get from point A to point B, and you have to provide them someplace to live. And one large farmer has converted one of his big machine sheds into apartments. Uh, took a big chunk of a machine shed and turned it into apartments. Uh, that that is, um, you know that that is a that's an interesting thing. And you know everybody talks about you know illegal immigration and everything else. Well, some of this, and I know a lot of farm groups have been talking about this. We need some legal immigration. Um, we we need a better way of actually getting and i know you're, there's going to be some local labor and people upset and wound up over that but in certain cases in agriculture we literally need we need people we we need bodies we need we need people willing to work at, at jobs that are not the greatest jobs in the world from a standpoint it's not air conditioned it's dusty it can be dirty it can be you know out in the sun um, now a lot of people, a lot of people pay to go to the beach and to lay outside in the breeze and the sun and everything else. Uh, they, they want to get a, you know, the old farmer's tan, you know, a lot of us have, have <laughs> you know, have, have gotten, uh, I, I know, uh, when I was a junior at Illinois state and I rolled into the, uh, dorm, there was a few guys in there that didn't know me. And they actually thought my ethnic heritage was different than what it was because I had been out in the sun a lot and I tan pretty well. Um, and I just, you know, I mean, and I'm like, okay, you know, what, what, whatever, you know, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm not from south of the border, but I get that. Um, and I don't mean that to be bad or rude or it's just, you know, when you work outside in the sun, from, you know, the first part of May to the first part of September. And that was the days before we had a lot of cabs on tractors. I would say over half of our tractors at the time did not have a cab on them. So you were out in the sun. And we bailed. We didn't roll up as many round bales sitting in an air-conditioned cab of a tractor. We were standing on the racks bailing it. We were walking the bean fields, cutting the weeds out of the beans. Um there was just a lot of things that we were doing. And, you know, at, at some point in time, I'd like to see him figure out the legal, illegal immigration thing so we can actually make some sense to it and actually actually know who's coming in and where they're going and what they're doing. And, and while we talk about that, I've got a friend of mine who is in the cattle business and needs help, needs labor, got got several big finishing barns, uh, some slotted, some, you know, concrete, some of them, uh, uh, I, I would call them, you know, bedding packed hoop type deals. Um, so, you know, he, he needs some help. Well, he got a guy from Afghanistan that had been a veterinarian over in Afghanistan. Now, this guy had somehow helped the Americans or done whatever, and he was able to get over here. And we all know that was chaos uh, the way we left Afghanistan, but this guy's wife had been involved in in trying to get some of these refugees over here. And here's a guy, he cannot practice veterinary medicine here in the United States because he doesn't have a recognized degree or anything else. 
but yet he was a veterinarian in Afghanistan, and he's now working on a cattle farm. And, and I would take that kind of help in a heartbeat. I know the farmer said, this guy's just great. He says, you know, he, you know, you talk about, you know, pen riders or people trying to look for, you know, sick animals or whatever. You know, here, here's a guy, here's a guy that's trained and knows it and has worked around him. Um, and so that, that's, that's the way, you know, he's gotten it. Now, I can tell you my, my opinion, the biggest problem we got right now in agriculture is coming up with enough truck drivers. And as we continue to legalize more marijuana, either for medical use, municipal use, or, you know, just straight out legalization, you're going to have less and less people that are going to be able to pass a CDL drug test. And with that, you're going to have less and less availability of truck drivers. And you also have the, the, the deal where, you know, Walmart, and I, now you're driving over the road, you're long, long time, you know, long t- stretches on the road away from home, but it's like $100,000 for a truck driver. Now you're going to pay some taxes on that. You're going to have some expenses out of that. But, you know, for, for a single person that doesn't have a residence, that wants to live out of a truck, um, they can, they can uh, over a course of several years, can make some serious change. And, of course, once they get that experience of driving over the road and delivering for Walmart and doing all that other kind of stuff, they can then probably move up and do things like hauling fuel. Whereas if you have those extra endorsements on your license, whether it's hazardous materials, whether it's tankers, whether it's doubles, you know, whatever, all of a sudden you become more valuable to other people. And I know several people that have switched over hauling fuel. They're hauling gasoline, they're hauling diesel fuel, they're hauling ethanol, I mean, what, whatever, they're hauling it in the tanker on a truck. And they've been able to switch from being over the road to a tanker type situation. And truck drivers are continue going to be a problem. And while saying that, and, and while talking about that, I think you can you can look at it and say the days of cheap labor are over. Um, uh, it's this one sign, eighteen dollars an hour. We will train you. We will pay you to train plus benefits. Now, <clears throat> we're competing with that here in agriculture. And what happens when corn goes sub five dollars? And I know you're going to say that I'm whistling Dixie and everything else, but my guess is there will be a point in the future. Not sure it'll be this year, could be next year, could be, but but there will be a point in time. And you know what? It, it may not be so much that we go sub $5 corn. It's just every one of our other expenses catch up to whatever price we're at. And there just isn't anything in there anymore. And all of a sudden you're looking at this labor bill and you're wondering how you're going to save on the labor bill. And remember, there's not many farm kids anymore. There's just not the labor there. And I also find it interesting talking to some people that are involved in some universities. You, you have a number of kids, and I'm going to pick on some of your bigger operations that are grain farming operations. These kids are coming off these grain farms where it's a multi-family, multi, uh, multi-individual operation. You know, maybe something with, uh, you know, uh, there's... There's three or four families involved. There's multiple entities. There's multiple operations. They're running a general partnership, and they farm, you know, pretty good size amount of ground. 
But the fact is this person, this, this young individual who's coming into college knows how to run maybe a four-wheel drive tractor with a big field elevator or a four-wheel drive tractor with a chisel plow. But that's pretty much what they did the whole time on that operation. Or they ran the green cart. Or, I mean, they had, they had specific jobs they did and they, they're, they, they don't have some of the, the what, what one professor calls me, the rounded experiences of doing multiple things. Now, I was talking to one, one guy who farms quite a bit, and he was talking about how he's, he was asking me what kind of fence he'd put up and that. And, and not that kid, his kid's going to get into show cattle or anything. His kid just wants to, to feed some calves and do some things just to get a little bit different experience. It's going to help him with his FFA projects. It's going to help him too if he, you know, applies in some of these competitions. The fact that he's not just strictly a corn and soybean grain farmer, he's actually got some livestock experience. But, you know, there's somebody that's going to have a little bit more rounded views on on things than somebody that just kind of jumps in there and got a, got a nice pickup truck, but doesn't have that that they've done everything that you're able to do on the farm. Now, some of them have, but you're but just talking to some people, we know they are. Now, I the, the thing that kind of that kind of got me talking about labor again. You've heard me talk about this to labor. Um, you know, the, the, a person that's working on a ranch out west. They were talking about the low the low wages, the the not real good place they had to live and everything. Scenery was beautiful. They'd love to ranch themselves. They'd love to take over, but the money just wasn't there. And, you know, the owner's kind of like, well, I've never known nothing but hard work and nobody wants to work hard these days and this money's ridiculous. And, and I just told him, you know, you may have to leave a situation like that and you may have to go where the senior, scenery's not quite as good, but there's opportunities to make, more money in agriculture working if you go look for them. I told them one thing I'd do is I'd, I'd look at getting CDLs. You know, and you don't have to necessarily, in a, in a husband and wife situation, you don't necessarily have to be jumping on Walmart and going, um, you know, go, going over the road. You can drive locally, and if the two of you are driving, you can make a pretty decent family wage with benefits driving a truck these days and age. Um, you know, the, 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 and, and I, I feel sorry for the, the gentleman that owns this ranch because it sounded like, you know, he needed the labor, but he still needed to draw wages off the ranch because in a lot of cases, farmers, their plan for retirement was to live off their assets. But when you need to get help and help's not cheap anymore, living off the assets, the help's taking up more of the money than what you thought they were, even though your assets are worth more money than you ever thought they would be worth. It's, it's just an interesting, an interesting thing. But, um, okay, uh, enough, enough about labor. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I was just talking about ranching, going to talk a little bit about feeder steers. Just kind of let me digress here a little bit. Watch some feeder steers sell online. They brought $2.90 a pound. They brought 290, 100 weight. Um, they weighed 775, 74 pounds, 775 pounds. That's $2,245 a head to buy those. Now, if you get them to 1,500 pounds and you get a buck 80 for them, that's $2,700. And that means you basically put 725 pounds on them for $455.
Now, if, if cattle go to two do, two, 200 and they go to $2 a pound, talking $3,000, now you're spread seven fifty five, and you could probably do it. But I, 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 I just look at the price of these, and I know there's not a whole lot of calves, and these were these were fancy, fancy, really nice looking steers that 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 were purchased. But this is one of the things. Every now and then I go online and see what this stuff's bringing, and I'm like, wow, there's not when you're paying twenty two forty five a head for feeder calves. There's not a whole lot left. There's very few years I've gotten twenty two forty five for a finished steer. Um. Yeah, the, the the inflation was still up. Uh, you know, people are still leaving Illinois, California, New York, New Jersey, and now Colorado is also slowing down on their uh, uh, people. And and I can tell you, if if you if you farm in one of those states, and you got those rural kids leaving that state because they want to go someplace that's more like Tennessee, Texas, or Florida, and believe me, there's plenty of work in those places. Um, Illinois, California, New York, New Jersey, and now Colorado's slowing down. And there's a few other states that you can throw in there, too, where people are leaving. Now, let's talk about the last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, and, and it deals with the two Dakotas, and it has to deal with land and land use. And you, and a lot of you know that that I'm I've been on a planning commission for a long time. My wife has been on the county zoning board of appeals. So the boss can tell you a lot more than I can, uh, but I, but also in the state of Illinois, I've been been involved with the Livestock Management Facilities Act number one, and then the Livestock Management Facilities Act number two, where there was a little tweaking, and just here recently, uh, the state legislature and the governor uh, I think signed it already has made statewide zoning for solar and wind projects, renewable energy, taking it out of the local hands. Well, the North Dakota, uh, ag groups in North Dakota, not all of them, some of them are on two sides of this thing, are wanting to get more animal agriculture in the state. And they're, they're putting some legislation through um, on what I call an animal agriculture siting bill, which basically is going to allow you to, to put livestock facilities on your private property. And let's face it, in a lot of places, if it was left up to the other local people around there, there would never be a livestock building go in. Uh, not not in my backyard, and my backyard may extend for miles. Uh, and, and that's what I think they're trying to do. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But it's interesting, too, to know that, that one of their major farm groups is not actually for this. Uh, well, another one of their major farm groups is. Uh, then, then the last thing I wanted to talk about, same thing, land use. It's, uh, it's Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, uh, talking about foreign investment in farmland. Uh, you know, and, and House Bill 1189, I'll even name it. And basically, it's talking about all legal entities that own agricultural land in South Dakota have to indicate it in their corporate filings. And that includes limited limited liability partnerships, limited partnerships, partnerships, limited liability corporations. Um, It doesn't outlaw the ownership, but it's information gathering. And, you know, now I can tell you that Iowa's got a lot tighter 
uh, how you can own ground laws in a state like Illinois does. Illinois, we're pretty much the Wild West. You can use about any kind of entity you want to own ground. And I can tell you that an Illinois land trust is a very, very uh, beneficial way to own property. Um, it, but that attracts a lot of outside investors. Uh, it attracts uh, people with, with big checkbooks uh, to, buy, to buy the ground. Uh, but that's just how it is. Now, now Christy Nome had an executive order kind of along the same line. Um, you know, and, and the, one th- the one thing that I heard some people that were a little bit worried about some of this was, okay, okay, I put up hog buildings. I signed a 10-year contract with a company. And now that company gets, uh, let's say they combine up with a foreign-owned company or get bought out by a foreign-owned company or become the wholly-owned subsidiary of a foreign company or get into some kind of partnership with a foreign company. Is my 10-year contract now null and void and am I out of the business where I borrowed money to put these buildings up and I no longer now can have those buildings? Interesting, interesting times we live in, interesting things. A lot of this, you know, the, the Chinese, of course, were, you know, buying um, property next to an air base in North Dakota. Uh, they own some other ground in some other places, and now we've had balloons flying over and everything else. And, you know, you may say, I want to be able to sell my ground to whoever I want to, but other people may want to say, we don't want that for neighbors, or we don't want that next to a, a, um, a sensitive site. And then you get into the livestock siting, and, and basically, too, in my state, what they've done for windmills and solar is kind of adopt what we did for livestock building siting and make it a statewide um, zoning, for lack of a better word. Interesting. Well, hey, labor and land use. Just a couple things thought with, with a little bit of cow um, price thrown in there on top of it. Hey, got to shake it up. Hey, to the smartest audience in agriculture, thanks for listening.